And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With the left hand and authority. He will give it to Donald Brown. Donald fights his way. Now balls loose luck and center. And luck scores. Andrew picked up the fumble and scores. Oladipo to win it. Another one. He got Another it. Another one. Another Oladipo. one. Victor Oladipo has given the Pacers a one-point lead. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Circle City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sam Sinclair, and today we got a little bit of a, um, basically a little bit of a uh, random podcast today with the Pacers schedule coming out uh, earlier today on Monday. Uh, thankfully, I'm joined by host of the Say in the Pace, uh, Pacers podcast and also a writer for PacersTalk.net, Alex Golden. Alex, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Sam. How are you? you kind of glad to get away from uh, Colts talk a little bit? Uh, it's a little bit. Yeah, I've been. I've just been in my in my cave a little bit, almost with the Colts, and you know, back, got a little bit of basketball talk now, finally. And you know, I think training camp's only about a month away or so, isn't it? Yeah, it's not too far away. It's kind of crazy how quick it's come upon us. Yeah, and they talk about the NFL never sleeps, but you think about it. Outside of the summer league, just a couple of weeks ago, the NBA gets about a month off, and then boom, they're right back to training camp preseason, and then we're going to be right in the middle of the season before we know it. Yep. So, talk, so, so speaking of the season, the Pacers' schedule just released uh, earlier today. If you uh, if you didn't see it, it's on the uh, Pacers.com. You could download the full the full schedule on there. And uh, I brought Alex on, of course, to talk about um, the schedule and everything like that. Alex, what are your initial thoughts on the schedule? What is something that immediately stood out to you on the schedule when you first looked at it? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty balanced. I feel like it's manageable. Uh, especially since the Pacers were kind of in the air trying to figure out when Oladipo is going to come back. So the the rumors are December, January is when there's a possible return. But for me, you know, looking at that schedule early on, I mean, it doesn't look too difficult. Yeah, there's going to be some tough games in there. But, you know, the one that the one thing that stood out to me was we have 11 back-to-back games. Uh, you know, not the worst, but, I mean, that's still quite a few games. And, there's a couple of those where they're, you know, back-to-back road games, but there's also some that are back-to-back home games. And, you know, you look at the first one, it's pretty nice. you got Charlotte and Washington, and then you look at the second one, and it's Houston and Milwaukee. So, you know, it just you just never know what you're going to get. But, yeah, I mean, no televised games either until Victor comes back in February, which is probably expected. But, yeah, you know, I, I really like the schedule, and I most definitely like starting out the season at home. Yeah, and I just noticed right away, Outside of the home game against Detroit, and the rather, I would I would say it's really I think at the beginning of the ski season is a little bit easier. But I think a lot of our games early on are divisional games, and you would think you know that would be kind of evenly divided out through the schedule. But I think it was like six of our six of our first ten games are against the division, which I thought was kind of interesting to see. And of course, then you mentioned our first national televised game isn't until Victor doesn't come back. I think. We have a couple in February, and then, uh, like you said, I, you don't think Vic doesn't come back till around New Year's. I think it's going to be – I actually think it's going to be in uh, December, mid-December. I think that Hornets game, uh, the 15th of December, I think that's about the time he would come back. 
because, you know, we would see a team like the Hornets. That's probably not going to be that great. Then we'll see the Lakers, of course. And then we'll see the Sacramento Kings before we head to Milwaukee and then we come back to Toronto. But outside of that, I thought the schedule was fairly balanced. I think the beginning portion is fairly easy. Of course, it's so hard to predict, especially in the NBA. You know, I remember, you know, last year we lost the the Cavs like 94 to 92. And then, I mean, we've had plenty of games that we probably shouldn't have won. So it's just so hard to predict, you know, an NBA schedule, like who's going to, who's going to win what and how's, how each team's going to play out. But like you mentioned, the 11 games, 11 back-to-back games, um, I think the NBA uh, average was about 13 this year. So to be up down to around 11, that's actually fairly good, don't you think? Yeah, that's not bad at all. And you're talking about the Central, you know, playing a lot of Central Division games early on. It's kind of crazy. We played Detroit three times in the first, I think it's nine games, which is just kind of unheard of that we're playing Detroit that early on so um, I'll be interested though with that matchup especially to see how Sabonis does guarding Blake Griffin Uh, obviously their best player Sabonis trying to learn how to play the power forward position with more minutes you know and obviously Blake's their best player so I think that'll be a good challenge for him just to kind of get him ready for the rest of the season but you know you look at other teams like Cleveland you know you got uh, Chicago Charlotte Washington all teams that are not expected to make the playoffs in the first 10 games, I think that's going to be really nice for this new unit that's trying to develop chemistry because overall, I mean, a lot of these teams are going to have new new players and they're going to have their own chemistry issues. But I like the fact that the Pacers are going to be able to hopefully grow a little bit. And, you know, I, I like the fact that it's a little bit more backloaded with the, with the better teams because you'll have Oladipo for those. But at the same time, you just don't know what he's going to be like. And that's the biggest question mark heading into the season. I've been saying that for the past three or four months. You know, we're excited for the new moves, but at the end of the day, we're not going anywhere unless Oladipo is extremely and fully 100% healthy. So we just got to hope that by all-star break, he has a great little run there and we're set to go for the playoffs because that's exactly when we need him to get hot. Yeah, and we don't even really know what – let alone Victor Oladipo, what the team's going to look like. You know, what if Sabonis Turner doesn't work out? What if they end up getting traded? What if Brogdon's foot injury, you know, reappears? You know, this all this. I hate talking pessimistic stuff, but you know, they just you just never know. Have you looked deeply into that January schedule? I think that's probably the toughest stretch of our season, probably. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of I've kind of gazed through. I haven't really like sat down and really studied it. I know we haven't. Tough little road stretch there. We got Denver, Utah, Phoenix, Golden State, and Portland. And, you know, those are all places, really besides Phoenix, that we've struggled to have success in. So, you know, that that might be, you know, lose four out of five games there. But you never know. I mean, I was shocked that we played Utah the way we did last year. We, we should have beat Denver last year. We really should have yep. um, lost that game. So, yeah, I'll just be interested. I'll just be interested to uh, – see what happens there with that with that time frame of schedule but yeah you know i mean nothing too bad i mean we got another road trip later in in um february into march we got five more games on the road cleveland chicago dallas san antonio milwaukee i mean you know we played well in san antonio the last couple of years as well so i mean i'm not too concerned about the road schedule as much as i have been in years past yeah that's probably Outside of the whole of the scheduling and, you know, when we play on national television, that's kind of when I look to see where we're playing at is that, is that West Coast swing. And to see it in January when 
That's going to be a month where we only have five home games and 14 games. That's going to be a tough stretch. You know, you got six playoff teams in that month, uh, plus Miami. The Miami Heat are going to be in better with Jimmy Butler. And Atlanta Hawks are going to be drastically better than last year. So, And then you're going to have that long road trip. Of course, you got the home and home with Minnesota. Then you go to Denver and Utah, like you said. And then I think the following month, though, in January, I think that's probably – or February, that's going to be probably our easiest month. Uh, they're only going to be a, about three or four playoff teams from last year in Toronto, uh, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and the Portland Trailblazers, of course. And you said we played Detroit early three times. Well, in February, we played Toronto three times, which I thought that was really interesting oh, to yeah, see, too. Oh, yeah, I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, we played Toronto at a home-and-home, and then right uh, about two weeks later, we actually played back in Toronto, which was, which I thought was really interesting to see. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, and that'll be kind of a good time to play Toronto, too, because they could be making moves around the deadline, and I know a lot of people are kind of trying to figure out what Toronto wants to do. I think Toronto's still trying to figure out what they want to do because they do have these, you know, solid veteran guys that are on contract years, and while they, you know, might just stick it out and see what they do, and it could gel really well and just, you know, carry over from last year without Kawhi. I mean, obviously that's a huge loss, but at the end of the day, I mean, they're still talented players, but if they do end up blowing the team up and wanting to go a younger route, that might actually help the Pacers at that time, especially since they'll be yeah. coming off the all-star break uh, when they do play them in that third time for that month. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I just, I'm just excited by all the moves that are, you know, have been made this off season and how these new teams look. I mean, it's just one of the most anticipated seasons I can ever remember. And I'll, I'll go a little bit off track. What do you think? Which one do you think was the best move we've made in off season? Oh, for the Pacers. Yep. I mean, it's got to be Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, it's kind of hard to say that. You know, getting your franchise point guard and something that I was really concerned about and wanting them to address this summer, uh, it was addressed. And you know, that's a beautiful thing because we've struggled so long to find that point guard now. The biggest question mark is, like you mentioned earlier with Brogdon's health, I'm not even so much worried about that, but I'm more worried about is he really the player that he was in Milwaukee, not having a Giannis-type player to play next to him. I I don't think he's going to be as great as he was last year um, just because he's going to have a lot more of a role. But I I also think that he's, you know, not going to be as bad as people might project, thinking, oh, he's only, you know, Giannis' second go-to guy. So, there's a fine line there, and I'm just really excited to see what happens. So yeah, we, we keep bringing up the injury history, but uh, late in the year, when we get into March and April, if the Pacers have firmly secured a playoff spot or look like they're going to make the playoffs, I'm going to be interested to see if Herb, if um, Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan sit down and talk with Victor and even maybe Malcolm Brogdon at the beginning of the year and say, hey, we maybe want to sit you out for the second half of back-to-backs or – you know, maybe give, maybe not play guys, because I know Sabonis was around 80, 81, 82 games. Corey Joseph was around 81, 82 games. There was a couple players, you know, that were around playing the full season. Of course, it's good to be available, but I, I just feel like now in the NBA, we're going down to like a load management type, with, what the Raptors did with Kawhi, where, you know, your best players are not playing 82 games, not even maybe even 70 games throughout a whole year. Yeah, I mean, I think load management is something that, you might see the Pacers do, but at the same time, if they're going to be competing for a playoff spot, I don't think they're going to be arresting their guys. I mean, look at Corey Joseph last year, played all 81 games. Bojan and Thad, or all 82 games, excuse me. Uh, 
that, and Boyama right there too, and those were your starters, and they were the, you know, the go-to guys for most of the season, and they played a lot of games. So, you know, with Brogdon's injury concerns, I mean, if the injury starts to flare up, if he has issues throughout the season, then, yeah, I would expect him to kind of monitor that. But if he's not having any issues and he seems to be healed 100% from the injury he had last year before the playoffs, then there's a good chance that, you know, they'll they'll just kind of ride it out and play by year. But, yeah, I mean, with Oladipo especially, I think they'll kind of ease him back into the swing of things, and they won't give him too many minutes to start out with. And they've got so much wing depth as well. I mean, that's another good point. If you, if you are wanting to rest these guys, you have enough wing depth that you can maybe sit them out on back-to-backs where you're not so concerned about it. But at the end of the day, I just think the Pacers want to win games and uh, get themselves the best in the best position heading into the playoffs. And you talk about that wing depth. I think maybe, you know, we won't have to rely on Victor Odipo even when he comes back. Like you said, ease him back a little bit. We might, you know, when he's when we're getting ready to go to the playoffs, maybe we're not going to have to rely on him. You know, his usage rate won't have to be over 30%. We won't have to just primarily run iso ball with him in the playoffs. We're going to, you know, we're going to have Jeremy Lamb and TJ TJ Warren and um Justin Justin Holiday if he gets minutes and Malcolm Brogdon, of course. Right. Yeah, I mean, they got shot creators, and that was one of the things that we were all kind of hoping they would address coming into the season just because nobody nobody expected Oladipo to be back healthy. And if we're going to bring back Rubio or bring back Bogdanovich and then add Rubio to the mix, you know, a lot of people were just like, where's the shot creator on this team, you know? And while Rubio can create offense, he's not a scorer. So that was one of my concerns, and one of the things that – I was really hoping for was to go out and get a shot creator. And that's why I was really happy with the the signings of Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren. And, you know, even Sabonis now getting more minutes. I think he's someone that can create offense for others. So yeah, this team is really balanced. And I think it's going to be able to put the ball in the basket a little bit easier than, you know, what they did with just relying on Oladipo so much. But I do think that the, the way the Pacers play will be a little bit slower than they were last year, and I know that's probably kind of hard to believe since they were like 25th in the league in pace last year, but I just feel like with two bigs like that, they're going to have to really slow things down, and while I don't really know if that's going to be a positive or a negative, I just don't think they can try to run and gun with teams because they just don't have the, the firepower with their forward position to do that. Well, when you go into the playoffs, you have to score in the half court, and we saw Toronto do that against the Warriors, and that's even though there was a lot of injuries, that ultimately what helped them win the title when, you know, they played the Bucks and the Sixers in the previous series. They had to score in a half quarter, and they did it really well. So maybe playing a little bit slower pace in the regular season maybe will help the Pacers in, their, in the playoffs when, we, when they get there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a good point as well because the Pacers, uh, they, they just missed that guy last year, you know, in the playoffs. They needed Victor because the way the team was built, like I mentioned a few seconds ago, you know, it was basically built for him to be the go-to guy, him to do all the creating, and then guys to be there to help him out and help spread the floor. I mean, he had Carlson, who shot 40% from three two years ago. Bojan was a solid three-point shooter. Miles was a solid three-point shooter. And really, Thad was the only one that wasn't a threat. So that's kind of why I'm glad that they went out and made these changes, and I'm glad that everything fell the way it did, and I'm really happy Utah offered Bojan a little bit more money than we were going to pay him because at the end of the day, I think that we got better, we got younger, and we don't have to pay Bojan for four more years. And I think that fourth year was just a 
was just a deal breaker for me, and I think it was a deal breaker for the Pacers as well. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about this roster. Just, just some question marks because there's a lot of unknowns heading into the season. Yep, and those answers will be unknown, of course. Uh, will be answered during the middle of the year. But with your excitement of the roster, all the roster moves, or the schedule's now out. I'll put you on the spot here. How many wins do you think they'll have? Well, they've had 48 wins the last two seasons. I would say it's probably close to that. Between 46 and 50 would be my guess. I don't really have an exact number right now of how many games, but if I were to guess, I would probably I would probably say 47, just because I think it's going to be a little bit tougher without Oladipo and then, you know, not really knowing what to expect from our bigs. You know, I've said this on a few different podcasts that I've been on, and I'll say it on this one in case some of those other people didn't listen uh, to the other podcasts I was on, I was on but my biggest concern with the Pacers right now is just that backup big man position because while we're all excited about Gogo Bataze, nobody really knows what to expect from him as a player in the NBA. Like, we can all speculate, but no one really knows what to expect. And then the same goes for T.J. Leaf. This is a guy that has not been given consistent minutes on the court. And, you know, now that he's going to be in the rotation, I think that we've seen enough T.J. Leaf to know that he's not the answer for your best you know, backup power forward position, but that's what they have right now. So they're going to have to roll with that. And unfortunately, I think that that could be something that we see uh, be the downfall of the team heading into the into the season and as the season goes along. I wouldn't be surprised if they do make a trade at the trade deadline for a power forward because we definitely need to bolster that, especially since Sabonis has never really played power forward either. So there, there's just a big hole there at power forward losing Bojan, losing Thad, and then, you know, expecting TJ to step up and just play this role that we've never seen him play. Yeah. I have him – oddly enough, I did the predictions, and I had him right at 48 wins again this year. So mm-hmm. I just think I just think the rather easier beginning of the season will help the team gel, and, of course, they'll pick up a probably a couple wins because, honestly, there's not a lot of playoff teams that we start off the season with. And just right. with Victor coming back and – you know, the team will be finally, you know, cohesive to a point, and we're going to have enough firepower on offense. I think we'll be able to get around 48 wins. I think that's going to be right around the same spot we had last year, around that four or five seed. I'm just going to be more concerned. I want this team playing their best ball. And, of course, everybody wants this. They want want the Pacers to be playing their best ball around March and April and May, of course, when they go into playoffs. Just like when I just I hope Victor Oladipo is back healthy. You know, he I don't think he'll truly – fully be healthy 100% till 2020 next year. Like right. we saw with Paul George with his leg injury. He wasn't fully ready until the following year. So I just want to see Victor, you know, have a little bit of the athleticism, improve his shooting a little bit near the end of the year, and then you never know, maybe the Pacers can make a second-round playoff appearance. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We don't really know what to expect, and that's a great point you bring about Paul George. You know, it took him a whole year, basically, to kind of go through – just a, a season, the wear and tear on the body. I mean, this is a totally different injury, though, because Paul's was a broken bone, and this is a, a quad tendon we're talking about. You know, it's two different parts of the body, and they heal differently. So while I do think that, you know, Paul came back and was – he came back quicker than Old Depot's coming back, too. That's another thing we have to look at as well. I think that Paul getting that, you know, experience a little bit in the season we missed the playoffs this decade – that kind of got him ready for the next season when he started off hot and he hit that wall. So I think the the way Oladipo comes back, he'll probably play for a month or two, then we'll hit all-star break, and then he'll have two more months again. I think that might be a good thing for him 
He's not going to put the wear and tear on his body as much as Paul did. And I think he won't be as relied upon to do everything because of the, the help they got on the team. So one of the things for me, though, like you said, it's all about getting hot at the right time. You know, the Pacers could be around, you know, the four or five seed, whatever, and then just really hit their stride come the end of March and into April. And, you know, right now I think Boston's probably the better team for the regular season. But come playoff time, if Oladipo's healthy, I would rather take the Pacers over the Celtics. Now, I wouldn't pick the Pacers over, you know, Milwaukee or Philly right now based on how they look on paper. But any other team in the Eastern Conference, I think the Pacers are better than. It doesn't mean that they're – you know, that they're going to be better than them in the regular season because, like I said, these other teams are going to be fully healthy. But at the same time, you know, come playoff time, if it's the Pacers and Celtics, I'm probably going to pick the Pacers in that series just because I expect Oladipo to make them that much better. So uh, when people do those little standings predictions and they put the Celtics and Nets and these different teams above the Pacers, I think a lot of it's just like, hey, we don't know what Oladipo is going to be when he gets back. <laughs> and Pacer fans get super upset about it, but it's just the reality of it. I mean, this is a serious injury, so yeah, it's, so much there. No, no, you're fine. It's it's the truth that we're gonna we're really gonna field two different teams this this first and second half of the year. We're gonna field a team basically with five new starters to start the year, and then when Victor comes back, we're gonna field a brand new, another brand new starting five. So it's just gonna be very interesting to see. It's it, it's gonna be a very very intriguing season to watch how this team gels together basically from the beginning of the year and then in the second half of the year on the fly, basically when Victor Oladipo comes back. Mm-hmm. Now that's a good point. You know, they will only have Miles Turner returning to the starting five from last year's team. It's just kind of crazy. And it's also crazy that Miles Turner is the longest tenured pacer on the roster right now. It just shows you how things change so fast. And it, well, at least the team has gotten younger though. That's, that's probably the best thing. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you know, the thing with the Pacers, though, I just, I'll just i just close out my thoughts with this, is the schedule is beneficial for them. It's not too, you know, strong on one side of the spectrum or the other. It's just pretty balanced throughout the entire year. It's and, actually, Alex, I'll, I'll, I'll run in here real quick. They're actually, they have a 24th strength of schedule this year. So that's that's a good thing, all right? Yeah, it's really good, yeah. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure how you were like looking at that of like it's like it's a bad thing or a good thing. So yeah, I mean twenty fourth out of thirty teams. I mean, I think it works out nice for them. They they play in the Eastern Conference, which is another blessing. Uh, their division is decent, but it's not great outside the Bucks. You know, you expect them to be better than Chicago, uh, Detroit, and Cleveland, of course. You know, and there's just a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that are just kind of not that talented. I mean, out of the top six or seven, I mean. There's just there's good talent, but it's not great. Nothing that really scares you. And even without Oladipo, I think that we're a top five, top six team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that, Alex. But that's gonna do all. That's gonna be all for the show, Alex. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, everybody, make sure you check out uh, their podcast. Alex has got uh, on setting the pace. Uh, they just had a recent Pacer, Al Jefferson, on the show. They've had uh, Jermaine O'Neal on the show. Of course, they do a lot of great stuff. Um, I've written for him a couple of times during the summer league, during the NBA draft. And of course you can check that stuff out. Alex writes for PacersTalk.net, uh, PacersTalk.net. Uh, Alex, I really appreciate you coming on and talk for a couple minutes about the schedule. Yes, yeah, Sam, it was a lot of fun, man. I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, I know this is new for you, this new podcast, and uh, I wish you the best of luck as you get things going. It's always a little struggle when you get first started, but just keep working hard and, 
you'll see that hard work pay off as you continue to just grow as a podcaster. So I just wanted to give you some encouragement there because I'm on my like 20th podcast. It's a kind of a, (laughs) it's kind of a joke, but I've done different podcasts, different people, you know, just trying to find where, what fits me the best. And honestly, you know, I went from covering the NBA for the last two years to just strictly going to the Pacers around April this year. So just covering the Pacers going forward, it's what works great for me and not trying to overwhelm myself trying to cover the whole league. You know, you got to find what fits you best. And, you know, I think that you're doing that right now. And I just want to give you some encouragement and tell you to keep on working hard because your podcast will grow as much work as you're putting into it. I appreciate it, Alex. And, of course, I hope to have you on whenever the season gets real close and hopefully have you on a couple times during the season to give, give, give the fans some of your thoughts. Absolutely. Anytime. And I appreciate it, Sam. Alex, do you want to plug your Twitter real quick? Yeah, if you guys want really bad takes and uh, <laughs> random stats, you can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I'm just kidding about my bad takes. I uh, I was on a podcast the other week, and I said, my takes are my takes. You know, whether you like them or not, they're mine. I stick to them. And you just gotta you just got to do that on Twitter. You can't really care what people think. And everybody has their own opinions. It's just how you respect everybody. So, um, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, AlexGoldenNBA. I love to engage with you all. And, um if you're a fan of this podcast and you listen to our podcast as well, thank you guys so much. I know that we have a good amount of supporters up there, so I appreciate you guys listening to our show. Yep, and I appreciate everybody that's listening to the show. Of course, Alex, I thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, everybody, make sure to check out the merch store. I'll leave the link in the description. Uh, and you guys have a great rest of the day.